My name's Paul, I'm part of the pastoral team. If I've not met you before, it is amazing to have you here with us. Three weeks ago, Ian started the Hearing From God series and he unpacked that God does want to speak to us and that one of the main reasons he wants to speak to us is centered around having an intimate relationship with us. And then two weeks ago, David Pike spoke about some of the barriers that stop us hearing from God. And I don't know about you, but I was going through and I was ticking them one by one. And I was like, crikey, I've got some work to do. Then last week, we had a break from the series and Sophie did an amazing job talking about being captivated by Jesus. But we are back in the series today. And if you've been journeying along with us, the obvious question at this point becomes, how does God speak to us? And you know, if this is the the first one of the series that you're listening to, then I'm confident that you will be able to get stuff from it and that it will be a great place to start. But I'd really encourage you to go back and listen to the first two to get the background for today. So I'm going to begin unpacking that question, how does God speak to us today? And then James, over the next couple of weeks, is going to continue it. And I want to say, right as we start, that this whole Hearing From God series isn't exhaustive. And hopefully if you're coming to everyone, it's not exhausting either. It's the tip of the iceberg we're scratching the surface. It's, it's like we're dipping our finger in the icing of a chocolate cake. And then we're like, oh, we have a taste. And we go back for more. And we go back for more. But our hope is that this whole series whets your appetite. That it gives you a taste of the icing. And just like the icing isn't the totality of the cake, this series isn't the totality of hearing from God. I love that when you read scripture it becomes clear that God can speak in any way, at any time, and through anything. He speaks through a burning bush in Exodus 33. He speaks through a hand that appears and writes a message on a palace wall in Daniel 5. He talks through a talking donkey, for crying out loud, in Numbers 22. It's clear God can speak in any way, at any time, and through anything. So are the things that we're going to speak about today and over the next few weeks the only ways that we can hear from God? Of course not but they are some of the ways. And I want to be honest with you guys. As I've, um, as I've been preparing for this talk, I have found it probably the hardest one that I've ever written because there is so much to say, because God can speak to us in so many different ways. And I was uh, originally going to speak on three ways, but on Friday, I felt utterly convicted by the Lord to speak on just one of them. I felt that for our community on this day that we needed to talk about one way that we hear God, and that is through his word, the Bible. You know, we are part of the Vineyard Church, and we love the Bible. We care deeply for its message. It's our plumb line. It's that the truth of this book keeps us on the straight and narrow. We believe, as it says in 2 Timothy 3.16, that all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. We are people of the book, And we believe wholeheartedly that God can speak to us through the words of the book. Now, look, I understand that as I say that we're going to look at the Bible, there'll be people in here like, oh, cool, the classic answer. (laughs) How do I hear from God? I just need to read my Bible. I've tried that and it doesn't work. And look, I get that. You know, I've at times found it really hard. And right at the end, I'm going to briefly share a few practical ways that will help us engage with reading the scriptures. But to begin with, I want to inspire us afresh to hear God speak to us through his word. And, you know, if you're here, you don't have a Bible. As Jen said during the break, there are free ones downstairs, and I would love for you at the end to go and pick one up. Or if you're not into the paper version, then go on your phone, go onto the app store, download one. I won't even mind if you do it whilst I talk. But get one and start reading it. 
And look, I also understand that there'll be people in the room tonight who do struggle with reading. Maybe you just don't enjoy it. Maybe you have something like dyslexia. And, and you've tried really hard before to read the Bible, but it's the discipline that you, you really struggle with. And I want to say that I do understand that it's difficult. And that when I am talking about reading the Bible, I'm talking more about absorbing scripture and absorbing the truth. And whilst I do think that there is a really important um, discipline of reading the Bible, and it is one that you should persevere in, there are also other ways, like listening to the Bible. And that's something that I do often when I'm cooking. I'll just put, put you know, on ye version on my phone, you can get it to talk out the Bible. And so there are other ways of doing it. And so if, if that is you in this room, my hope is tonight that you won't check out as we're talking about reading the word, but that you would hear it as absorbing the truth of scripture. And also, I want to acknowledge at this, at this stage as well, that as we're talking on this series, that there are going to be different people at different stages in this room. And you know, you might be here, and you might have been coming for the last few weeks, and you're like, you know what, I, I know I hear from, the God, hear from the Lord, and I'm so excited, and I just wanted more of that, and that is amazing. But you might be here, and you might be consumed with disappointment. Because at one stage, you felt like God said something to you, but it hasn't come to pass in the way you expected, or maybe it hasn't come to pass at all. And you're asking the question, did I, did I really hear his voice? Do I hear his voice? Does he speak to me? Maybe you're here and you're feeling really downtrodden because you look around and you're like, well, everyone else hears from God, but I don't. So what's wrong with me? Does it apply to me? Does he even want to speak to me? And maybe you're here and, and you're thinking, hey, you know what, that's great, you're talking about that. I don't even know if I believe in God yet, let alone whether he speaks. And that is totally fine. This church was built for you. And I just want to say, how exciting is it that the God that you're exploring isn't a distant one, but is one that wants to speak to you. So wherever we are at, my hope is that we would be inspired afresh today. So let me just pray for us. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are in this room. I thank you that you want to come and meet with us today. We do not want to go through the motions of church. And I pray that wherever we are at, whether we're full of disappointment or excitement or confusion, that you would soften our hearts to hear from you. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so let's get to it. I love the Psalms. They're a book of poetry in the Old Testament, and they are one of my favorite places to dwell when I read the scriptures. They're a place I come back to time and time again. And Psalm 119, other than being the longest chapter in the Bible and quite hard to get through in one sitting, has some beautiful insights about the value of scripture. And we're going to read two passages from it today. The first one is verse 30 to 37, and the second one is verse 97 to 106. And you see, when you get to 106, you still have another 70 verses to go before you finish. That's how long it is, but we're not going to read them all, don't worry. So grab your Bibles. Psalm 119 is right in the middle of it, so just open up to about there. If you're on your phone, scroll about halfway, you'll find it. If you don't have a Bible, it will come up on the screen behind me. But I'm going to read the ESV translation, and so it might be slightly different to the screen. But here we go. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I have set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. And my Bible has um, a footnote there, and it says it can be translated as I will run in the way of your commandments, for you have set my heart free. I love that. 
Teach me, O Lord, verse 33, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. And jumping forward to verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders. Elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path, for I obey your precepts. Sorry, I obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it, that I will follow your righteous laws. I do not know about you, but I want some of what he is writing about. I want my heart to be set free. I want my understanding expanded. I want greater insight and wisdom and understanding. I want to delight in God's ways. I don't want to walk on an evil evil path. I don't want to pursue selfish gain, and I definitely don't want to look at worthless things. I want the fullness of life that God offers. And for me, the key to doing that is in verse 97. The psalmist says, oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. See, the psalmist is able to say these things because he has meditated on the scriptures. He has gorged himself on this truth. This is like his chocolate spice cake that he keeps dipping his finger into the icing of. He's on an all-day binge of this truth. And I say this because if we want God to speak to us through the Bible... If we want to gain great insights and wisdom and not look to those worthless things, but find his life, then we actually have to read it. We have to fill our minds with it. We have to meditate on it like the psalmist did. And look, I know that that is simple. And I know that if you have been here uh, around church for any length of time, that you will know that you should probably read your Bible. And you might even be here and you might be feeling a bit guilty because you're like, well, I don't read it enough. And you know what? My hope tonight is that we wouldn't feel guilty. My hope is that we'd be inspired to do it more. You know, look, my message is a simple one today. It really is. But I think it's much like most of us in this room would know that we should exercise. I have a friend that I used to work with. Well, he's, he's still my friend. We'll see if he is in, uh, in a few minutes. But I used to work with him. He's called Dave. Uh, and he wanted to run the Cardiff Half Marathon. That was his goal. Okay, so quick show of hands. Who in here has run the Cardiff Half Marathon? I know there's at least a couple of you. Okay, yeah, hats off to you, a few of you. You know what? I would, um, I would love to have done, but I have this old knee injury, and it flares up every October. I, it's something to do with the humidity um, and the, the cold and the weather. It's, it, it's my heart's desire to do it, but it, I just can't. So, uh, but Dave, but Dave, so he really wanted to. Uh, that is a joke. It's my laziness that stops me. Um, but, I, but Dave, so I worked with Dave, and he, he was not a guy who did exercise. And so when he set this goal, this was like a couch to 5K, but a couch to 25K. It was a big thing. And we spoke a lot about it, and, and he told me about these new trainers that he bought, and he told me about the magazines that he'd bought to read about the technique and the training plans and things like that. So we'd chat, and I'd be like, hey, Dave, how's the running going? Did you get out for a run this week? And he was like, oh, man, you know what? I had to work late a couple of nights, and... Uh, I had my friend's birthday, so I haven't got up. But this week, this week I'm going to go. And you know what? We would have that conversation week after week after week. And unsurprisingly, Dave didn't run the half marathon. Because to run a half marathon, at some point, you have to go for a run. You know, you, you have to run 
the first mile and the second mile and the third mile and you have to build your stamina so that eventually you can run a half marathon because you can buy the trainers, you can read the books, but if you don't go for a run, you don't have a chance of running a half marathon. And I think it's the same for us. If we want to hear God speak through the Bible, then we have to read it. We have to absorb its truth. If we want to hear him do that regularly, then we have to do that regularly. I think we're so often like Dave. We know it would be a good thing. We talk about it. We have small groups on it. Maybe we even buy books to help us read it. But then we read them rather than reading the Bible itself. I've done that. And I'll be honest, much like running, you are not going to always want to read the Bible. But also like running, it will be worth it when you do. You know what, for me, I think it's a bit like dating. Hear me out. (laughs) I am married to a Northern Irish beauty called Claire. Some of you will know her. She is back in Northern Ireland this weekend, so please pray for me because I miss her. But um, we've been married just over two years. It was our two-year anniversary a few weeks ago. And marriage is an amazing thing, but it is also hard. And in pre-marriage prep, they talk to you uh, about the importance of date night, where you set aside time regularly to make sure you have quality time together, have some fun, keep the romance alive. You know what? We've not always been amazing at doing that, but it is a rhythm that we have tried to, to embrace in our lives. And look, I don't want to be too proud, but some of the dates that I have put on have been amazing. I'm, I mean, I'm talking about, I knocked them out of the park. Claire loves fish, so I would take her to this amazing restaurant and I'd have bought her her favorite flowers. I don't know what they are, but I just know they're pretty ones. And we'd buy nice wine and we'd have great conversations. We would connect on a really deep level and it would be wonderful. But then there are other dates. <laughs> now, we love to go to the cinema and we, and we would go quite regularly. Now, you will all know, because you're very polite people, that when you're in the cinema, you're not supposed to talk. And that's, that's a good thing. And you would think that when you're sitting in silence, it's quite hard to have a fight. <laughs> For those of you in the room who are not married, that is not true. And so we would be in a movie, and we'll be sitting in silence, and we'll be having a fight. I know I've done something wrong, I don't know what it is, and I don't know how to communicate about it because we're watching a movie, but we'll then walk home in silence for 25 minutes from the center of town, and we'll be in silence, we'll go to bed in silence, and if we're lucky, one of us might pray through gritted teeth, we're like, okay, Lord, just bless this marriage, amen. And then we'll wake up, and then we'll go about our days. And you know what? There have been some terrible dates, and there have been some amazing ones. But over the last two years of being married to Claire, the net result of us ensuring that we date has been positive. We could have stopped going to the cinema, not after the first time that we fought in silence, but after the second or the third. And we could have been like, you know what, this just isn't for us, let's not do it. I'm going to go see the boys, you go see your friends. But we kept that rhythm And it's the same for absorbing the truth of Scripture. Now, see, I guarantee if you build a regular rhythm of reading or listening to the Scriptures, that sometimes it will be boring. Sometimes it will be confusing. You won't know what you're reading. Sometimes you'll engage with it, and then you will forget instantly what you've just read or listened to. But I also guarantee that if you build up a regular rhythm of engaging with Scripture, 
that in two years' time, the net result will be positive, that you will be glad that you have done it. James, um, our esteemed and at the moment very tanned leader, (laughs) talks about it as drip feeding our soul with scripture. And that's what we're doing when we read the Bible regularly. We're hearing God speak to us. We're drip feeding our soul time and time again. Now, when Ian opened the series, he did an amazing job, and he used a really helpful analogy of God speaking to us being like a radio, and that God is sending out frequencies of radio waves, and he was asking us the question, are we tuned into those frequencies? And I really like that analogy, but I wonder how many of us who heard that have thought it through, and have realized that it's not just God that is sending out frequencies of communication, but that other things in our life are doing that. And that maybe if we're not tuned into God, if we're not tuned into his frequency, that actually we're tuned into one of those other frequencies. When we drip feed our soul with scripture, what happens is we begin to be armed with the truth to help us decipher which of those frequencies are in line with God's truth and which of them aren't. The psalmist in verse 37 puts it like this. He says, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. And you know what? I have found it hard at times in my life to know which things are worthless and which things are worthy. And for me, the times in my life where I found it hardest have been when I've not been engaging with the truth of Scripture. And see, when that happens, what I find is that worthless things begin to look quite worthy. See, we're bombarded with other frequencies all of the time, and they come from lots of different places. And and some of them are good, not all of them are good, some of them are bad. But it might be our upbringing, it might be our parents, it might be the places that we live, it might be the halls that we live in, it might be the job that we work in or the industry. It's, It's the Netflix series that we watch. It's the people we follow on Instagram and Twitter. It's the news that we read. And all of those sources are communicating a worldview to us. They're communicating to us about how we should view ourselves and what we should prioritize and what's right and what's wrong and how we should make decisions and what we should value. As I said, not all of them are bad, but they are all influential. And if we're not careful, we can be building our worldview, our opinion about ourselves, and also even sometimes our opinion about God, based on what those other frequencies are saying and not what he is telling us. And I believe that God is desperate to communicate his truth to us so that we can build our opinion of ourselves and our opinion on him and what he says and not what the world says. You know what? Let me, let me just get deep for a moment. You might be here tonight, and you might have received a message, uh, a frequency from your parents that says that you are a mistake. Now, they might have said that verbally to you, or they might have just communicated that to you through the way that they treat you. But that frequency is so loud and is so strong that it is deafening every other frequency. And it has affected the way that you uh, make decisions. It's affected the way that you have relationships. And you're asking the question, hey, like, would it even be better if I wasn't here? But you see, when you pick up the Bible and you hear the, God, hear the voice of God in Ephesians 1, and he's saying to you, hey, I thought about you before I formed the earth. 
And then you flip to Psalm 139 and you hear him tell you, hey, I knit you together in your mother's womb. And then what happens is you begin to hear his voice telling you the truth. And he's saying, you are not a mistake. Your parents might not have planned you, but I planned you. And I love you. And I love you. And I love you. And I love you. And then when we realize that's the truth, we can then decipher, hey, you know what? That message that's coming in, that's not true. Because I am so loved by God. But if we don't ever go for a run, we won't know that that's the truth. Maybe for you, um, you're here, and the message that you received growing up is that your worth and your value was linked to what you achieved and how well you did at things. And so maybe it looked like the grades you got at school or the teams that you played in. Uh, And then now as you're growing, maybe you're a student here and you're about to get your finals and you are petrified in case you don't make the mark. Or maybe you're in a job and you've got promotion coming up and you are petrified at the prospect of not getting that promotion because if you don't get it, what does it say about you? Then see, for you, you can pick up the scriptures and you can read in Matthew 20 and you can hear God say to you, hey, you know what? My kingdom is totally different because the first will be last and the last will be first. But you know what? That doesn't even matter because then you'll flip to Romans 5 and you'll read Romans 5 and you'll hear him say to you, hey, before you did a thing, I showed you how much I loved you by dying for you. You can never earn my love. Whether you do great or whether you do terribly, I love you. And then what happens is the way that you build your life, you know, you still, you know, I spoke back in January on this, you still strive to be great at what you do to honor the Lord, but actually if you don't get it, it doesn't affect your identity. You see, when we know that truth, we go, actually, I can go for that promotion because if I don't get it, it doesn't matter because it doesn't affect my identity. And whether I get a first or a two-two or if I flunk, it doesn't matter because it doesn't change who I am and how he feels about me. But if we don't go for a run, we won't hear him say that. You know what, for me, um, I have amazing parents. They love the Lord and they love me dearly. But somehow in growing up with the messages of the world and my friends and everything, I kind of, rec- I, I, I tuned into a frequency that said that last thing that I just spoke about, that my worth was linked to how well I did and that I needed to achieve to do well at things. And, and it, it made me really insecure, if I'm honest, and it affected me in, in how I pursued things. But right at the end of uni, I go on a discipleship school, and I have this intense encounter with the Lord, where he, is, he just says to me, Paul, you are worth something. And I did not know that I had been tuned into this other message. I, I was not that self-aware at this point. But when that came into my eyes, I was like, boom, and I was a wreck and I was weeping because God was just telling me this truth, like, you're worth something. But you know what? You know how I turned that one encounter then, what's that, six, seven years ago, into my reality? By drip feeding my soul with the word, by absorbing the truth on a regular basis. You know, for me, is Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son, it's just one of the most amazing passages. Because for me, what it says is that God will run out to me no matter how bad I do. And he will cover me and he will pour his grace upon me. Or it might be, you know, verses from Ephesians 1, you know, where it says, I was predestined to become adopted as a son. Or Ephesians 2, for grace I have been saved through faith and it's not through my own doing. It's the gift of God. It's not a result of work so that anyone may boast. 
And what's happened is, as I have regularly absorbed this truth, that encounter I had six years ago has become the reality that I walk in. It would have been easy for me to have that encounter and then leave it there and then go home and, and be like, you know what, I'm still struggling with this. And <clears throat> hear me out, well, I'm, I'm not saying that the Lord cannot change our hearts, cannot bring healing in a moment, he can. But I think there's also a maturity in the way that we then walk it out. And for me, it was in regularly absorbing the scriptures. See, when we read the scriptures, we discover the truth about who we are and who God is and how outrageously loved we are. But we also learn about living a holy life, about the reality of the human condition, that there is right and wrong, and that sin is powerful and very real. John Wimber, who founded the Vineyard Movement, he said this, sometimes God offends our minds to reveal our hearts. And when reading scripture, parts of it will offend us because it will come in direct opposition to all of the other messages that we've been receiving. You know, maybe for you it's going to offend your pride because Jesus calls us to servant leadership and Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. And as you read that, you get convicted and you're like, man, I've been in it for my own gain. God, forgive me. I don't want to pursue this worthless life. I don't want to pursue selfish gain. Give me the life that you offer. Maybe, maybe it's going to offend our lust offend the fact that we watch porn or have sex outside of marriage. Maybe for us it's going to offend the way we use our money. Maybe it's going to offend the way that we talk about people behind their backs. But let it offend you so that God can take you away from looking at the worthless things and he can give you his life. See, when we read scripture, when we engage with it, we become armed with the truth that helps us decipher which of the frequencies we're receiving are garbage and which of them are good. But if we don't go for that run, we won't hear it. We have to read the scriptures to hear God speak to us. Now look, right at the start, I said that I was going to give a few practical ways to help us uh, engage with reading the Bible or hearing from God through Scripture. And I want to do that really quickly. It's not going to be in depth, so don't worry. We've only got a little bit longer. But first, I just want to give a quick caveat. When we're asking God to speak to us through the Bible, most of the time, he won't speak about the precise details of things. So he, he won't necessarily speak about where to move, or what job to do, or whether you should give up your job. You know what, I absolutely believe that the Lord can confirm these things to us through the word, but that actually most of the time it's the Holy Spirit's job through lots of other ways to communicate that to us. Mark um, Batterson, who is a pastor over in the States, he has a helpful way of thinking about it. He says that the Bible is our guideline and the Holy Spirit is our guide. Okay, so the, the points now to help us uh, engage. The first thing, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth. I studied theology at university and I had lots of lecturers and peers that read the Bible for its information but missed out on its transformation. And I believe that's because the Bible's information leads to transformation when the Holy Spirit performs an operation. And actually sometimes it takes us being humble and saying, hey Holy Spirit, would you reveal the truth of this word to me? And so allow him to operate on your heart. Invite him in when you're reading scripture. So the, the second thing 
Uh, I have four helpful steps that I think about when I, when I read scripture sometimes. And it's this, taste, chew, digest, use. So taste, that's like, that's like the reading of it or the listening of it. That's the first time it's coming in. The chewing, that's, that's us meditating on it. That's us kind of thinking about each word and each phrase. Like, be still and know that I am God. Okay, be still and know that I am God. We meditate on those words. <clears throat> and then digest. For me, this is the, the contemplation stage. So this is where we go, okay, so be still and know that I'm God. What does that actually mean for me in my life? Where, where could I do that? How could I, how could I put that into practice? And then the use it stage, well, that's us obeying the word. And that's us going, right, I'm going to be still. I'm going to block out an hour in my diary and I'm going to be still. So taste, chew, digest, use. The third thing, don't do it alone. We were not meant to do this life alone. And it is much easier when you do it with friends. So get some friends around you. Find a time to meet regularly, maybe once a week, once every couple of weeks, to chat about what God is speaking to you through the scriptures. Because you'll find that they have insights that you don't. And they have perspectives that you don't. And it'll be really helpful. You know what? I appreciate that some of us are really, really busy. And that that is just not an option. So set up a WhatsApp group with a few of you. And where you encourage each other, where you keep each other accountable for reading, that you send verses to each other. But, but do it together. Fourthly, get into the story. You know, reading chapters and verses is an amazing thing, and it's a great way to drip feed our soul with scripture. But I think sometimes when we do that, we miss out on understanding the full narrative of God's story with his people. I would really encourage you, take an hour, find an hour in your diary, and book it in, and read through one of the epistles, the letters that Paul wrote to the church in the New Testament. Or maybe take a morning and read through one of the Gospels from start to finish. Because what happens when we do that is we become captivated with the story. And we see that, oh, Jesus did this immediately after he did that. When Safe spoke about that last week, she gave us the context. She was like, oh, the story we're looking at happens right after this one. You know, and as we read through it, we see how it ebbs and flows. And as we do that, we see trends of how God moves. And we see that he is faithful. And that allows us to then encounter verses that we read and we're like, you know what, I don't know that God looks very faithful as I read this one verse. Or I don't know that he's very loving because of what it says in this verse. We're like, you know what, that's one verse, but I know the whole story. And I know the narrative of the story that time and time again he proves his faithfulness and time and time again he shows his love to us. So actually I'm, I'm gonna interpret this verse throughout, through the lens of the whole story. But what we do is when we know the whole story, we're like, but you know, but I know that he's faithful. And I know that he does love me. And I know that he does love us. Okay, so actually I'm going to interpret this verse through the narrative of the whole story. So don't forget the story. Fifthly, don't forget the gospel. There's a man named Tremper Longman. Um, we actually used this quite a few months ago. David Pike used it from Tim Keller, one of Tim Keller's book. But Tremper Longman says that reading the Bible is like the movie The Sixth Sense. Because that movie has an ending that once you've seen it, it makes you reinterpret everything that you've seen so far. And that's the same with scripture. That when we realize it culminates with Jesus dying on the cross and being raised to life and the Holy Spirit coming and dwelling in us, that makes us revisit everything that we've read before it. And, it's, and it makes us see how all of it points to Jesus. And sixthly, and finally, memorize it. I was chatting to James this week. And you know, almost immediately as I was, we were talking about the scriptures, he was like, you know, the best thing that people can do is memorize the scripture. 
and you know, for those of you who've got children in here, one of the best things that you can do for your children is memorize scripture and help them memorize scripture. Because when those frequencies that I was talking about, when they come, you need to be armed with the truth to rebut them, to declare to them, you know, when they say to you, hey, you've messed up too much to be lovable. You can be like, no, but you know what? In Ephesians 2 verse five, it says that through, it is through grace that I am saved. And it says in Romans 8, 38, that neither death nor life, angels nor rulers, height nor depth, things in the present, things to come, can separate me from his love. So you know what? I know I'm loved. In, um, in Matthew 4, when the devil tempts Jesus, and Jesus is in the wilderness, Jesus quotes scripture to fight the temptation. And my, my prayer is that we would be able to do that, that we would know the words, that we would inscribe them on our heart. And look, I know I rattled through those things really quickly. And I know it was a simple message today. But my prayer is that something in it has captured you, has inspired you to put your running shoes on this week and go out for a run, to set a goal and go for it, to allow the Lord to speak to you through his word. And so now, you know, as always, we always finish with the time to pray. So why don't we stand? And let's invite the Holy Spirit. If you're new here, don't worry. What we just do now is we just we have a chance where the Lord can speak to us individually and that we can pray for one another. Um, you can just watch if you want to. There's no pressure to engage. But Holy Spirit, I invite you right now. I thank you that you're here. And I just ask that you would come and speak to each of us. You might find it helpful to close your eyes, to keep from being distracted, maybe put your hands out in front of you. Our physical postures sometimes help indicate where our heart is at.